This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth filling in for Josh Pacheco, Hunter Hughes alongside me in the downtown PAX studios. We were talking about just the whole running back situation that's happening uh, in terms of holdouts. What is the valuation of running backs? Let's go to our uh, Zephyr Insurance text line really quick. Uh, 808-296-1420. You can text us or call us there as well. Uh, this is from the 291 Uh Bijan Robinson, the first round running back from last year in the top 10. Bijan gets $22 million for four years and an 11.9 signing bonus, not even playing it down yet. And then he says Barkley, $10 million. I'm not sure necessarily what that means. Or yeah. that's the franchise tag mm. is the $10 million if uh, Barkley decides to sign it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's what I was talking about in terms of first-round running backs. They already have that preloaded contract. They don't really got to focus on much. And that's going to be, you know, a rock to kick down in the future. If you're a guy like Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs who have these kind of guaranteed uh, contracts locked down for you, it's got to feel really relieving. But at the same time, these are the next Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley's mm. because in these next five years, you're going to run the risks of small little injuries, maybe a major injury happening, and that will affect your contract situation as the years go down the line. And Isaiah Pacheco won't have to deal with that because I don't know what his contract length off the top of my head is. But he's probably getting... contracts are usually between three and four years. Right. But I was thinking for like a seventh round pick. Uh, uh, do they have the same length as a first round? That's rounder? a good question. I'm not sure. Because I'm sure that they don't have that kind of longness to them so yeah. they can get their extension done a lot quicker. To me, it, it really depends on what team you go to. Right. Because – it's clear across the league that not all teams value their running backs the same. If you look at the Dallas Cowboys, okay, Zeke Elliott was in the exact same situation as these guys a couple of years ago, and he held out, stayed you know, away from camp. In the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. <laughs> Jerry Jones paid him. Um, right off the bat, you know, with um, Christian McCaffrey. Um, Christian McCaffrey is the highest paid running back in football. Um, Alvin Kamara, another one who held out and they paid him. However, Kamara and McCaffrey, I would actually compare because the two of them catch the ball brilliantly out of yeah. the backfield. So I think if you are going to be an exceptional running back in today's game, you have to add that part to your arsenal or you will not, um, you, you, you are going to be viewed as less less valuable as other running backs in the league. I guess the only other guy that's not like that would probably be like a Derrick Henry who has the four-year $50 million. Mm. And it's going to be interesting to see how that breaks down because he's kind of getting up there in age. He's already has his own foot injuries also going on. So guys like him, I'm trying to think of other running backs who aren't necessarily top-tier uh, receivers out of the backfield uh, currently off the top of my head. I mean, I wouldn't say that Kenneth Walker – the rookie last year out of Seattle is a pass catcher and a running back. I'd say he's a really great running back, and he could catch the ball out of the backfield as well. It's not his uh, necessarily his one-two. Yeah. But I think of guys like that and kind of the devaluation of running backs that are more necessarily uh, cowbell guys, run in between the tackles. Mm. Because those guys are also prone to a lot more injuries because they really put their bodies on the line a lot more than guys like 
well, I won't say guys like Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey will put his body on the line. That's why he is the highest paid running back. Yep. But for that reason alone, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs do everything that Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara do. Everything. And so they deserve to be those top paid guys in the NFL because, hey, guess what? We already have the precedent of a Christian McCaffrey and, uh, and an Alvin Kamara. Just don't go assault people in Las Vegas. Ooh, I yeah, think that's the number one avoid thing that at to all do. Costs. Uh, Tanner Hayworth and Hunter Hughes on Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, we have SportsCenter coming up. Uh, call us at 808-296-1420. Text us either. Uh, yeah, that's Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Here comes SportsCenter. Hi, this is Joe Crockett, General Manager at Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack. Looking for something new? Pop by Tuesdays for Tucko Tuesday. Not Taco Tuesday, but Tucko Tuesday. You see, at Dixie Grill, we'll tuck just about anything into a tortilla. Mix and match four tacos, catfish, brisket, shrimp, and pork. You'll be in Tucko heaven. Four-count Corona buckets are only $20. So stop by Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack for Tucko Tuesday. Click DixieGrill.com. The roar of our engines, the pump of our heartbeats, the pedal to our metal. The sparks that ignite us, the pistons that push us, the passions that drive us on the roads that unite us. With nearly 6,000 stores and over 17,000 auto care centers, Napa has America's largest network of parts and care, here to keep you firing on all cylinders. Find the Napa Hawaii store location nearest you at NapaOnline.com. Aloha, this is Daryl Turner, General Manager of Napa Hawaii. As we celebrate nearly 70 years in the islands, I'd like to say mahalo to our employees, our independent store owners, our business partners, and you, our loyal customers. Over the years, we've grown to 36 stores across Hawaii, Oahu, Maui, Molokai, Lanai, Hawaii Island, and American Samoa. We look forward to serving your automotive needs for many more years to come. Mahalo. Save the date. On August 1st, the Craig Angeles Show is coming to ESPN Honolulu live from Velocity Honolulu at 888 Kapiolani Boulevard at 6 p.m. This is Kanoa Leahy. Join me along with Hawaii Athletics Director Craig Angeles for an hour of UH Sports Talk in person or on ESPN Honolulu. It's brought to you by the JN Group and HCAMP, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. Visit hawaiiconcussion.com. Hey, Ted, summer's here. Weddings and anniversaries are celebrated. What does Pacific Diamond have going on for these occasions? For 27 years, Pacific Diamond Wedding Rings have established the largest selection of wedding sets, uh, gentlemen and ladies' wedding bands. We have unique styles of -of one-of-a-kind, high-quality diamonds set in uh, 14 and 18-karat gold rings. Come in. Create your own one-of-a-kind wedding band. Pacific Diamond Wedding Rings, Hawaii's diamond experts and Hawaii's only gem cutter. Find us on the web at pacificdiamond.us. I'm Kevin Winter, Major League Baseball tonight. This game at Truist Field in, or Truist Park, rather, in Atlanta is bonkers. Between the Braves and the Diamondbacks. Here's your line score. Arizona, two in the top of the first. Atlanta, five in the bottom of the first. Arizona, five in the top of the second. 7-5 game. Arizona, one in the fourth. Braves, four in the fourth. Braves, two in the fifth. Diamondbacks, four in the sixth. Atlanta, two in the sixth. The two coming right now in an Austin Riley two-run home run. If you were able to keep up and do all that math, 
It's 13 to 12. Atlanta has the lead over the Diamondbacks in the bottom of the sixth inning at Truist Park. This live line, 29 and a half for the total. Anyone going over? Come on, do it. I dare you. Elsewhere, they've gone final at Citizens Bank Park. Phillies with a 4-3 victory over the Milwaukee Brewers. Final in Pittsburgh. The Pirates fall to the Cleveland Guardians. 6-8 to 1. That's your final there. They're in the fifth. Detroit's got a 5-3, a 7-5 deficit in Kansas City. Bottom of the seventh, Toronto trailing San Diego 6-1. Maybe Machado with a two-run home run. Mets with an 11-4 lead over the White Sox. They're in the seventh at City Field. Giants and Reds are now all tied up 3-4-4. Uh, four, four. They're in the third. Giants won the suspended game from last night. Miami is tied with St. Louis at one. Texas leads at Tampa Bay. Yo, it's Jay Williams. Coming up on Wednesday, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson. I'll tell you which quarterback will have the biggest bounce back season this year. Don't miss it at 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, and ESPNU. ESPN Honolulu is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting schools, students, and community activities that contribute to the quality of life on the Waianae Coast. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu, Tanner Hayworth, he's back. He's back. With, ta- with uh, Hunter Hughes. I'm never filling- left. Never left. Um, <laughs> Josh Pacheco, I'm filling in for him because he's on his way to Mount West uh, Media Days in Vegas in probably one of the more beautiful hotels that I've mm. seen, at least the rendering of it, because they have that huge like outside section with like the six pools with the sports book. Honest, the huge TV. It might be a destination for me in the future. It looks mm. very fun. The Cal, right? Uh, circa. Circa. Yes. So I got that mixed up. I think we're staying at the Cal yes. in uh, in the fall. Yeah, for it's a very football. it's a very good destination for all the, for all Hawaii people. The Cal. There we go. Uh, but when you're looking at the Mountain West Media Days, there are there actually has been some Mountain West. That's right. News in the last couple of hours in terms of San Diego State. Uh, this is from Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports. He says the Mountain West has informed San Diego State that the school will remain a member. They did it. Very good. They're still here. <laughs> the school will be responsible for covering the fees, uh, legal fees. Mm. Though. So what's good for San Diego State is, hey, you're not an independent randomly for That's a right. year or two. Uh, also, they do get that $6.6 million that was being withheld from them. Wh- from, which uh, last- each team that was each team's allotment right. from the uh, the revenue sharing exactly. from last year. Right. And, of course, some of that will be taken away because, like I said, the school will be responsible for covering fees at the conference expense over legal work during a letter exchange with SDSU about its possible withdrawal. Uh, of course, this all comes if we all want to rewind the clock for a second there. You got the Pac-12 who are just keep on failing to uh, find a new TV deal. Uh, Of course, that was the whole June 30th deadline. It was not fun 
to no. follow for a little bit there because you don't want to see San Diego State leave. And also, at the same time, you're like, okay, we don't need you. You can leave. Yeah. You know, all that good stuff. And but, then they also asked for a discount on the way out. True. So it was, I don't know. It was kind of weak. It was, it was just an all-around weird situation. I cannot imagine – uh, what that feeling is like, because I don't know who necessarily does all of the negotiations in terms of leaving a conference, because I know the letter exchange was done with the president of San Diego State. I'm sure that presidents don't go to Mountain West media football days hmm. uh, very commonly, so I'm sure there's not a lot of uh, drama between the athletic directors or the coaches or the players. It's just going to be just a weird air kind of just hovering around like the wandering uh, San Diego State representatives as they kind of go to their uh, interview from interview, I feel like. And, of mm. course, that's going to be the questions that Brady Hoke is going to somehow find a way to answer through. Because if, as a head coach of a football team, not only do you not hold any power in terms of saying where your school is going to go in terms of conference, I'm sure they don't even want that kind of power. Yeah. They just want to coach their football team, especially uh, like a guy like Brady Hoke, who is very no-nonsense. I'm sure that he's just excited that he can just focus on this and just coach his team yeah. and find their way back to the Mountain West championship game. Yep. No, I, I'm with you. I, I think the Mountain West is stronger with San Diego State yes. in it. Especially in basketball. Oh, big time. <laughs> um, and it's uh, – what we learned from this whole process, actually, I think is the strength level of the Pac-12, which is actually not very strong at all no. right now. The, the Pac-12 of old is gone. Um, they're talking about uh, nearing their media uh, contract here in the near future. Uh, again, they, they're uh, saying that it's going to happen soon, but we're, we're all over here still tapping our watch. And I'm sure the schools in the Pac-12 are as well. And, you know, San Diego State was trying to do their best, and I, I still feel like it was a weak move for them to ask for a discount when they were hoping for a huge payout from the Pac-12. Right. If you are big enough to swim with the big dogs, you don't do that. You just you pay the price for what— Because you're going to get the money. That's right for what your um, decisions are going to cost you. So, um, you know, I I think part of the Mountain West playing a little bit of hardball mm. with them was to set a precedent for the, re for the remaining schools in the Mountain West of, hey, this isn't going to fly. Um, if you plan to leave the Mountain West and jump into conference realignment down the road – um, we aren't going to just allow that to happen without there being some sort of, of penalty. And if you try to skirt the rules, well, we're, we're going to drag this out a little bit too because we have to look out for our loyal schools here. And if you think about a school like San Diego State, who is a really good football team, uh, one of the best basketball teams, especially in the last couple of the years, you talk about the Mountain West playing hardball with those guys, like you said, I think that strategy works for the guys that are not as good as San Diego State a la UNLV. Hmm. I just – you see a school like UNLV who has all of the potential to be an amazing university, especially in the group of five. Sure, they had their time in basketball yeah. a while ago. 
I can't remember the last time where I've looked at UNLV, especially in basketball, and said, man, really afraid of those guys. Well, maybe <laughs> like for men's basketball because the Big West and the Mountain West are like two different strengths. So then when we play them, they're definitely, you know, a little bit better That's than true. us. Yeah. But in terms of their spot in their conference, UNLV has always kind of been a middle of the pack or just straight up bad in the major sports of men's basketball or football you know of course not all the time in men's basketball because they had their really great runs there yeah but football i mean that's just that's the money maker and if you are not a successful football team consistently i just don't see how a conference it would be confident enough to send an invitation to you unless there is desperate as a Pac-12. Yeah. Because we talk about San Diego State and how, you know, this weird feeling must be. Think about schools like Oregon. Think of schools like Washington. They are the power – and Utah. I'll include Utah here. Yeah. Because those, those three schools – Those are the big three. Those are the big three right now as USC and UCLA are leaving. I think those three schools have the opportunity – to do two things, to keep the Pac-10 now, to yep. keep the Pac-10, Pac-12 strong, be like, hey, we're going to be the cornerstones of this conference, and we're going to make sure that this lives on because if college football, college sports, geography is pretty much everything in terms of passion, in terms of getting that level of uh, com- uh, competitiveness. In, rivalry. In rivalry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what's so amazing about college sports or you go B in that whole other mode of college football now is, okay, I want money. Where's the money? Show me the money. You yep. know, all that good stuff. They can – Oregon and Washington can start this new renaissance of the Big Ten going all the way to the West Coast. Utah can probably easily find a home in the Big 12. Yep. Honestly, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado could also easily find a home in that Big 12 as well. Yep. Um, that's the scary part if you are a fan in kind of these lesser conferences because I think the Pac-12 losing some of these big schools is slowly becoming an inevitability, especially as the Pac-12 and George Klyakov uh, just continue to not find a viable media rights deal for a conference that is as good and as exciting as the Pac-12 mm. because you have Oregon. You have the basically the birthplace of oh, Nike. Nike. Yep. You have – right. if you want to look at this year especially, Bo Nix and Dan Lanning who are probably going to be – one, Dan Lanning is going to be at Oregon for a very long time unless someone gives him a blank check to go to their favorite SEC yeah. school. Bo Nix is – going to be a Heisman finalist in my opinion Mm. he's one of the more electrifying quarterbacks in college football Washington you have uh, Michael Penix who is an amazing quarterback out who transferred from Indiana last year who is amazing you have Utah who have been so consistent for so long Mm. these are fun teams to watch in college football but after you get past those three then it's a little bit of a struggle because after those three, it's what? Oregon State, who, you know, have DJ Uyunglele, so that's cool. It's true. You have Washington State, who, you know, they're good from time to time. They have this uh, senior, Cam Ward, who's pretty cool. Uh, then Arizona, Arizona State. You have prime time. 
guys, we have prime time. Yeah. Come on, where's the meteorite steal? We have Deion Sanders. Yeah. Can't even get the CW because the ACC somehow poached that right from them. Hmm. I mean, if you are a Pac-12 president, if you're a president of one of these schools, do you feel more comfortable in staying in the Pac-12 or trying to find a deal with one of these other uh, Power 5 conferences? I'm honestly most surprised that Oregon hasn't tried to make a move already. Right? Most surprised. The minute that USC and UCLA jumped, I would have thought Oregon would have been the very next one. Because I agree. I feel like they have to feel like one of the big dogs. Like, if not the big dog of the conference right now. So, yeah, I'm I'm baffled. Um, especially with the Big Ten, especially trying to be the first coast-to-coast conference. Right. That one makes the most sense. Um, and you know they don't struggle financially up there to travel around and do their stuff. So. I mean, they got their huge deal right before the SEC did. They're kind of the two warring heads in terms of college football right now. That's right. It's pretty amazing just to see how much money is just kind of being thrown at those two guys because they've made the decision to say, hey, yeah, we're going to be on Fox. We're going to be on CBS. We're going to be on ESPN. And (laughs) we'll make sure we'll be on ESPN by the time the national championship rolls right around. Because the SEC and the Big Ten are the two schools that are probably represented the most in terms of multiple teams, not just Clemson uh, out of the ACC. Um 808-296-1420. 808-296-1420. You can go ahead, call us, or text us there. We got a text from the 233 talking more about the Pac-12, saying, personally, I think the Pac-12 rebrands back to the Pac-10. I don't think adding any G5 schools will add enough value to warrant adding another member. Hmm. I think that's something to think about because San Diego State and probably SMU are the only two schools, in my opinion, that are close enough to adding value for the Pac-12 or Pac-10, whichever one you want to call it. You can be a little bit mean to the Pac-12 called in the Pac-10. Because, look, SMU has the Dallas market. San Diego State has the San Diego market. The the Pac-12 are desperate for just any kind of media rights de- or not media rights deal any kind of market to try to re- to replace the LA market that they lost in U- USC and UCLA yep. and after Dallas and after San Diego I'm not sure if any other team kind of matches up to markets like that like maybe Vegas yeah. but that's more on a national scale rather than like a TV market locally kind of deal in my opinion because hmm. like I I can't think of another city out there past those three that really makes sense into adding into the Pac-12. Yeah. Because it's not going to be Boise. I mean, that's the one main reason why Boise is never considered for any kind of Power 5 school. Small it's, market. It's a <laughs> incredibly small market. They don't even have baseball. And yeah. that's like a whole thing where they can't even be represented throughout a whole bunch of different sports that the Mountain West are particularly successful at. Um, another quick look at the text we have from the 780. SMU has the Dallas market like San Jose State has the Bay Area market. The Dallas market is Texas and Texas A&M. Thank you for the text, 780. Yeah. That's very And funny. honestly, OU. True. There, there, there's a, a sizable OU following in Dallas. Um yeah, that people don't want to 
side <laughs> with uh, Big Orange with uh, with Texas at Austin. There's no Southern Methodists out there in Dallas that are proud of their uh, proud of their university. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> they're they're still a mid major for a reason. True, true. Um, and but, not just for the death penalty that they got. Yeah, it was all those great times in Texas recruiting in college That's right. football. That's right. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Keep texting us at 808-296-1420. Hey, you can also uh, call us. I know that's a very uh, wild thing to ask of listeners. We'd love to days. talk to you. We'd love to talk to you and just kind of go at, you know, ask Paul questions. had a heck of a call yesterday. Oh, that's fun. Paul had an audio clip ready and pressed play in the middle of the call. <laughs> it was the soundtrack from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That's beautiful. It we, was. It caught us by uh, caught us by surprise for we, sure. We need more dedica- We need more dedication. Yeah. To calls like that, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. This is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, this will gonna go ahead and read some of our M Dire scoreboard. B- brought to you by M Dire Global. Always on the move. We can look at MLB where the Giants and the Reds are currently playing in a doubleheader earlier today. Yeah, they had to go to extra innings in their first doubleheader where the Giants won 4-2 to two there. That went 10, and they are currently in the end of the fourth in their second game as the Reds lead 5-4. to four. A real, <laughs> probably one of the best like doubleheaders I think you'll see yeah. in the last couple of years for the MLB. In the top of the eighth, the Arizona Diamondbacks were once the top of their division. Now they're third, are down one to the Braves, 13-12, to 12. At the top of the eighth. This is not a football game, people. Uh, a couple of <laughs> games that are also going on. Dodgers up 9-1. to one, All the Baltimore Orioles. The Mets up 11-9 to nine at the top of the seventh. Uh, Padres, hey, they found some offense. 7-1 to one against the Blue Jays. So, Dang, okay. You know, shout out Tiff Wells out there. But, yeah, that is our M-Dire Global scoreboard. Brought to you by M-Dire Global. Always on the move. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Fun fact, this song is called 1999. That's the year I was born. No way. Tanner Hayworth, Hunter Hughes, off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. I just made a lot of people feel old. Made uh, me feel old. Yeah. I, I love doing that. That's probably one of my favorite uh, hobbies to do. At least you were born in the 90s still. Yeah, I was about uh, two months away from being in, from not being a 90s kid anymore. Thank God. So I just made it in. Unfortunately, I had to do – so for language classes, I'm going to bring us all the way back to high school. When you have to say your birthday, uh, the kids in my class, because I took French – all they had to say was uh, "do meal," which is two thousand in French, mm-hmm. and I had to hit them with nineteen ninety nine. And if you know about French and how that's pretty drawn out, how about yeah, and they're kind of dumb with how they say numbers. Like to say ninety is saying uh, two forty ten. Yes. So saying nineteen ninety nine. I think everyone can understand how much of a mouthful that one is. Yeah. Uh, we were talking a little bit about college football. Mount West Media Days are just about to uh, go on tomorrow. We got Josh Pacheco uh, up there. That is why I'm here. Uh, and, you know, we were talking a little bit about San Diego State and all the legal stuff and all that, yada, yada. Let's talk some football here. Mm. We, we got a little bit of time here. We'll probably continue this conversation sometime later in the show, but – 
I think when you look at offensive player of the year for the Mountain West, yeah. I think the question should be between two players. One we know very well, yes. Shevin Cordero, quarterback, San Jose State. Unquestionably. He's really great. I think the other name to consider is Taylor Green out of Boise State because mm-hmm. he too, like Shevin, they're both dual threat guys. He can run it, and he does have a little bit of the advantage of a Boise State bias because – I think everyone is a little bit guilty of, you know, uh, praising Boise State players a little more than they should be just because of how good Boise State is, yep. uh, how used to we are them being good. But Taylor Green last year got the job after Hank Bachmeyer just was absolutely struggling. I mean, that offense was just terrible for the first couple of weeks before yeah. Dirt Cutter took over. Of course, he's not going to be there this season. Uh, but. If you look between those two, does it kind of just feel like a two-man race for the Mountain West football? It does. I'm going to throw in a wild card for you, though. Brumfield mm. from UNLV. With Brandon Marion as the OC. I think UNLV is going to be scary this year. Um, that Talk about dual-threat quarterback. Right. He might be the strongest dual-threat that we aren't talking about. I mean, last year he was pretty much the number one quarterback before he had to go through co- the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Back when UNLV was like 5-1 and one or like 4-1, and one, something crazy like that. In conference. I mean, oh, that was, out of, that was their entire schedule because mm. they started off really well. And it was like, UNLV can do this with Marcus Arroyo? No yeah. way. And then, you know, everything happened. We beat them. Uh, I think that says about how well the end of the season went for UNLV. Yeah. Uh, and Marcus Arroyo eventually getting fired. Their new head coach, Barry Odom, uh, the defensive coordinator from Arkansas last year. His last head coaching stint was with Missouri, where he went 25 and 25. Mm. So I think a lot of people right now are kind of down on UNLV because the Barry Odom hire – not very sexy, to say the least. But in my opinion, what brings up that hire is having Brendan Marion, who was a wide receivers coach here at the University of Hawaii for a year yeah. with Todd Graham. He spent the last two years in two elite, elite wide receiver rooms. Two years ago in Pitt with uh, uh, Jordan Addison uh, and all those really good guys. Last year, he spent it at Texas. And now he gets to be the OC here. He'll run that go-go offense. Or if you don't know what that is, Look it up. It's really fun to watch. Mm, it's one fun. of those like fun gimmicky offenses. And I think Doug Brumfield, like he said, really great dual threat. He could run the ball. He could throw the ball. Really excited to see how they work that out, especially as they lose their number one running back, Aiden Robbins. He yeah. transferred to BYU. So it's going to be a fun uh, passing of the torch for that running back room. But they still got an elite wide receiver in Ricky White, who absolutely just <laughs> – just kind of killed us last year on certain plays. Totally. So I like that choice of a dark horse pick of, of Doug Brumfield. And we'll continue our talk about Mount, the Mount West media football days. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Hope everyone's having fun on their own highways. Uh, most particularly, probably the H1 going east. Uh, hopefully, your life is starting to speed up a little bit there eventually. There uh, Tanner Hayworth uh, in for Josh Pacheco, alongside Hunter Hughes in downtown 
Honolulu, Paxa Studios. We were talking a little bit about the Mountain West um, and just the whole San Diego State situation, as well as just generally Mountain West football, because Mountain West media days are starting tomorrow. That's why Josh Pacheco is not here today. And I think... When we talk about this whole San Diego State situation, we can talk about all of the annoyances of the letters, uh, how much money they could have given us, how much money they owed. I think the best part about the San Diego State, just the entire situation, has been the memes on Twitter. Because <laughs> there have been so many just great like pulls. Someone I can't remember what episode of Seinfeld it was, but I think it was when uh, George gets fired or he quits – and then he tries to go back to work like nothing happened. That's because right. He realized he made a mistake. That's right. And someone made a really great edit of it. Just had like you know all of the school logos, the Mount West Commissioner logo, all the same people. It was real. I, it's one of my favorites. We just saw one that came down because of this whole situation where it turns out that they're back. This was actually from uh, Matthew Kennerly of uh, Mount West Wire. He just submitted his own uh, official ballot. I think he and Josh talked a couple days. You guys talked a couple yeah. days ago. Mm -hmm. And he posted, I think it's a clip from the office where uh, they're standing on top of a desk with like a little necklace yeah, with the post that says Dwight Schrute whenever he betrayed Michael. <laughs> and Michael made him stand on a, a stack of um, books with the word <laughs> liar around his neck, <laughs> basically shunning him in front of the whole office. And so, so those listening, the, the picture has San Diego State's logo in front, in front of uh, Dwight Schrute, um, basically saying the Mountain West has put him on display, saying that they've, uh, they've betrayed us. And I think the whole thing about San Diego State, it's not that they were going to leave. It's just that they were announcing that they were going to leave for like a year. For a while. I remember when, like, Dan Patrick, like, this time last year was like, oh, San Diego State, they're going to the Pac-12. We right. know what's happening, and it is happening soon. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of months ago, he said it again. He said, San Diego State will be leaving soon. <sighs> and here we are, Mountain West members uh, for at least 2023, San Diego State. Welcome back. We we welcome you back with uh, with loving arms, as if you are a uh, a high school a Hawaii high school uh, football guy in the transfer portal, and Timmy Chang just welcoming you with opening arms. <laughs> uh, but you know, talk about that. We could talk about a little bit of football because we were just discussing kind of what feels like a two man race, at least in the media, for the preseason uh, offensive player of the year. You were talking about Doug Brumfield from UNLV could kind of be in a dark horse, but it feels like it's kind of Chevin Cordero versus Taylor Green from Boise State. Mm. Um, I think the funny thing, at least for me, because I've only been following college football for only a couple of years now because uh, I, I am a child, um, and I just think that it's so interesting because of COVID that we've had just this extended like playing careers of college football players. There's a guy who just transferred to NC State who's entering his eighth year of college football. Wow. Um, so he's one of the few, like a Stetson Bennett, who's been around since 1990. Um, but no degrees. No degrees. Well, hopefully the guy, uh, NC State guy, got a degree. He went to he went to Rice. So hopefully he got his degree nice. and then grad transferred to NC school. State. Uh, but – I just find it so funny because I just think of all of these like staples of the Mountain West, and I just, they're not there anymore. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Because now what they predict, I'm just going off of what Matt West Wire was saying, where they have their predicted uh, defensive player of the year to be Easton Gibbs, the linebacker out of Wyoming. And when you think about Wyoming, it's funny. They've actually done a really great job of developing really good linebackers, especially like NFL caliber linebackers. Yep. You think of Chad Muma, Logan Wilson from, on the Cincinnati Bengals, who's done an amazing job. Right. Easton Gibbs might be like another really great Wyoming linebacker. And we'll have, what's it called, front row seats to it at least in November. Which When we go to Laramie. Laramie, which is actually at noon. I think Josh Pacheco uh, tweeted that yesterday mm. or retweeted it from somewhere where that will be a noon game in the penultimate game of the season for 2023 for Hawaii football when we go to Laramie, Wyoming. Which means it'll be like 9 what, here. 9 a.m. here? Which means that I have to be in here by like 5.30 or 6 a.m. or something Oh, my like goodness. Because it's usually about three hours. For countdown to kick off. For, yeah. So it's going to be a lot of really great fun there. <laughs> that's nothing new for you, though. Yeah, it's nothing new for me. It's like my regular schedule. In fact, May- that's maybe actually, on a Saturday, though. It's it's going to be weird because it's on a Saturday, but I get like thirty more minutes of sleep, maybe, mm. or and probably not as much because there's going to be like zero traffic. Mm. Um, that'll also probably be very nice for everyone that's going to Laramie because it's the uh, it's in November. Yep. Uh, Laramie, and high Wyoming. noon should be the uh, the, the hottest. Yeah, the warmest <laughs> it'll get. It'll be the warmest game we've played in Laramie, Wyoming, maybe. Probably. <laughs> now we we talked about rankings, right? They when we talked with with uh, with Matt of the Mountain West Wire, he mentioned that Hawaii is pulled in last place. Yes. Right now. You you have your ear to the recruiting buzz and know everything that's been going on for Hawaii football this off season. It's been fantastic. Yes. Um we are on the up upward swing yes. right now. The pendulum is certainly going upwards. How much stock do you put into us finishing in last place this season? And as of right now. As of right now, and I want to I want to pair that with do you think this first year with Timmy Chang and his version of the run and shoot being successful? I believe in that. I do too. I also will say I do not think we'll be last. Um and I know this probably goes both ways. Behind like, New Mexico? Behind New Mexico. Come on. And I had like a whole thing on Twitter where I was just like, how – there's no way yeah. that we're going to be behind New Mexico. But of course, you know, we're, we're in our Get bubble. Get out of town. <laughs> we're in our own bubble. I have no idea who is on New Mexico. Yeah. The only guy who I knew was on New Mexico was their like freshman cornerback last year who had like – 20 tackles in a game it was crazy but i think he transferred Mm. i can't remember and danny gonzalez you know he's been there for a little bit it's probably his last couple of years in new mexico because they really haven't seen any success i know they have a transfer from the uh from uab uh from their quarterback and a lot of people are kind of high on him i personally don't see it that much um but i will put light into this as the year goes on we're only going to be better and unfortunately, at the very beginning of the season, we, as Hawaii, our non-conference schedule is pretty rough because we do have yep. those three Power Five teams in a rising Vanderbilt, in a new Stanford, and Oregon, who we were just talking about a couple of uh, uh, minutes ago. And the thing that I'm a little concerned about is if you could come out of the non-conference uh, injury-free. That's not going to happen. 
there will be injuries that will happen because that's just what happens when you play a SEC team or a yeah. high caliber Pac-12 team. Totally. Because they have bodies, they have a lot more uh, facilities, especially Oregon, uh, to tr- help train themselves up, and we are just not them. And it's going to happen. And I think what's going to be important for the season is how unscathed can we come Mm -hmm. out of those games? Because remember how last season started, the first drive went so well against Vanderbilt because everyone was healthy. Zion Bones is on the field. Jonah Pinoke was out in the field. Diedrich Parson was out in the field. You had um, Bernal Wendt, Aliki Tanuvasa. They were both out on the field. Yeah, These are all guys true. who in the next couple of weeks afterwards had injury issues. Zion Bowens, after that first drive, was out for like three weeks, if we all remember, because he comes back later in that season. Jonah Pinoke in that game, I believe, suffered an injury or probably later. That so. he also was with his dealing shoulder. With, yeah, he was dealing with an injury bug. Bernal Wendt had to deal with some injury issues as well as Aliki Tonovasa over the season. So these are our like stalwart kind of like foundation pieces from for the offense that dealt with, you know, a little bit of issues. Because we were also dealing with, you know, the SEC. We were, I'm trying to remember who our non-conference was. It was Western Kentucky and another team. I can't. Well, we remember. played Vandy to yeah. open the year. Vanderbilt was the rough game, and yep. it was like brand new, all that, you know, all of those jitters and all that good stuff. But it just, I think, if we could come out of those games unscathed, you play against really great defenses, and you see the uh, mistakes you and make. We played Michigan. Yeah, Michigan too. You see the mistakes you make against those teams, yep. and I think if you can go into the conference schedule a stronger team, especially after you play a game like you do against Oregon, who probably has one of the best young defensive minds in all of college football with Dan Lanning. He was the defensive coordinator from Georgia only two years ago when they won their first national championship. Wow. So these are incredible tests for the University of Hawaii, and I think that will – it'll just be the iron sharpens iron, and hopefully we can come out of that. I feel confident still to this day that four wins kind of feels nice and realistic. It's like a nice little like zone to be like, yeah, I can see four wins. Four wins. And it's not that bad. It's an improvement from year. last year. On the year. Dang, Tanner. Yeah, it's okay. realistic because um, – I know Matt Kennerly said this, and I've known Jeremy Mouse, his counterpart in the Mountain West Wire, said it. Phil Steele has also said what I'm about to say. It feels like we're still kind of a year away Mm. because there are a lot of improvements that this team can still make. I think of the offensive tackle position where you lose two starters in Austin Hopp and longtime starter Il Manning. Manning. That is hard to replace. Manning hurts. Uh, You think of the defensive line with we made so many great uh, additions with depth and all that stuff, but I don't don't really know how that's going to mesh until the year starts. So I feel like I can't judge the defensive line. Um, After this year, the linebacker spot's going to be wide open because Logan Taylor will have no more eligibility, and I believe Isaiah Tufunga will also have no more eligibility. So we're going to have some young guys step up, probably Jamie Otis from Bishop Gorman, probably the uh, Malachi Teo. Yep. Uh, those two guys are probably the next two guys up afterwards. Right now, there is a lot of question marks still with this team. I think there can be some surprises where maybe a bowl happens. We had a bunch of one-possession games last year. That's right. Where the ball bounces our way, you know, a couple times here or there. We don't have that pass interference call against San Diego State on that final drive. Our combined never know. point differential was only 30 points. 
which is insane on the for, season. Which is insane for a team that a lot of people have had as like the worst team in all of college football. I don't think we'll be there. No, but it's gonna be a hard trek because the way it'll start, it's gonna be rough because you have to go to Vanderbilt. Hmm. We're all it's we're already historically not very great on the on road. On the road, it's an SEC team. It's a rising uh, Vanderbilt. Then you have to play Stanford, which you know you never know. They're a new team. Albany, sure. New Mexico State, uh, we're playing them at home. We so should I, whoop them. We should. We should. We also should have won last I year know. as well. And then that Oregon game. It's going to look ugly in the non-conference. I think that's what's going to happen. Yep, and that's but five I, games right there. And through those five games, through those five ugly games, I think we're going to be able to construct a really great rest of the season. I'm hoping for two wins out of the non-conference. I agree with you there. I just think of those five ugly games, I think you can put together the mess or all the mistakes that happen in those five okay. games. And you can reconstruct yourself into having a successful conference schedule for Hawaii football. Now, off of those two wins in in non-conference, that means that you only think that we're going to win two in conference. Yes. Where are those two wins? The two wins, I think of like uh, Colorado State maybe at the end of the year. Okay, end of the year. Uh, Probably Nevada or probably New Mexico. Because I forgot we played New Mexico. Okay, there's there's three. So there's the two at least right there. There's a lot of games where I think can go both ways. Yep. And that's where my like I have a plus or minus kind of like a ceiling and a floor kind of deal. Yeah. Where I think there are games like San Diego State where I think we can be competitive. I think of games like Nevada, who they've gotten a lot better through the transfer portal. They've added a lot of uh, uh, Power 5 talent through the transfer portal. Yep. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Ken Wilson deals with a lot of those issues. I do know there are games that we definitely lose. Mm. I think of that Air Force game. They're, Air it's, Force is tough. It's Air Force, one of the best running teams in the nation, yep. versus Hawaii. Who you know? Yep, we don't do defense. well against the run. Uh, San Jose at home is going to be tough. That's going to be tough. I think those are one of those games where it's Shevin's last game. Yep. A lot of guys are still there from when trans- from when Shevin transferred. Yep. There's still it's a little be an bit of night. it'll be emotional. It's homecoming as well. Uh, officially, I think that was from our marketing guy. But mm. I think that San Jose State game and that San Diego State game, those two. I think we'll be like netted as like really big on the plus on the plus minus kind of deal. I think those are two games that Hawaii has the chance to steal if everything falls right. And that's kind of like the whole deal. Where if everything comes out perfectly, yeah. I think there's a chance. Hmm. You know what I mean? I could see the pathway of it happening. And that's when I feel like good about it. Like I do not see a pathway through Air Force just because no. they are just so like we will run the ball until you die. They're tough, and <laughs> their 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 greatest strength is their intelligence. Their offensive linemen are usually a little more undersized because yeah. hey, you got to be <laughs> the you, army or you gotta, the Air Force. You got to be in the military. You got to so, fit in a plane. That's right. <laughs> um, and all of them are blocking guys at the second, sometimes even third level. Um, they're very very tricky whenever we play them. Right. Well, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that. Uh, you can call us or text us at 808-296-1420. Tanner Hayworth alongside Hunter Hughes. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary 
bench on ESPN Honolulu we've been talking a lot about West football talking about Hawaii football and predictions on the year I went out basically said probably like four wins but I could give give or take two maybe based on that San Diego State and that San Jose State matchup at home we got a texter from the 233 who is you know very much an optimistic person I gotta see if I can open up the full thing first of all by the way uh, normally, whenever I have done the shows, I've never been able to look at the text. But we have found like an old iPad in the office that <laughs> has the text on it. So shout out uh, to people not throwing away things. We appreciate it. This is back when the iPad still had the curve. Yeah, back, back when it wasn't it. like a, a block. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a texter from the two. 3-3. Three, three. They're saying, calling it now, I think UH beats both San Jose State and San Diego State at home. Let's the, go. The team and fans are going to be so fired up for Chevin returning. I think it's going to be the most rowdy and disruptive crowd since moving to T.C. Chang. I also think games versus San Diego State have been so close lately. I think an improved offense and being at home will push UH over the edge. Thank you for the text, by Let's the way. Let's go. 233. We love the optimism. Could not agree anymore with that text. Um, I was down on lower campus last week. I, I live in Manoa. Just went on a little stroll. Happened to find my way down there. I, I don't know about you. I put a podcast in. I just get lost. Um, and then I found myself on lower campus. And I'm like, Let, let's go check out the renovations to T.C. Ching. Right. And I... Just took a glance at it. It's awesome. By the way, I saw a tweet from Savannah Ryer today. Yeah. Jumbotron is up and working. Love it. They got it connected. So. Can, can we cover that when this, this tropical storm hits, please? <laughs> uh, we, we, we don't need it to work now. Well, we need it to work in season. Well, like most storms, you know, by the way, uh, it should be close to hitting the Big Island pretty okay. soon. So, first of stay all, safe, you know, stay safe, especially out there in the Big Island. I am also going to say this. Um, I am really hoping, like how all storms usually work out, that uh, Pele kind of gives us a hand here and uh, kind of uh, breaks up that storm a go. little bit. She's done a very great job in protecting Oahu a lot in the last couple of years in terms go. of protecting us from storms. So the, Back to the stadium just for a second. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sorry it about that. It looked plenty big. Plenty yeah. big. If we sell that thing out and it gets rocking against the San Jose – I couldn't agree with that texter anymore. It will be all of the um, energy, all of the environment that we could have ever gotten at Aloha Stadium with 15,000 right right down on top of the field. It's going to be awesome. I always think of that one game against Fresno State when they were ranked and we beat them. Could you imagine? Last game of the season. Could you imagine if fans were at that game? (sighs) Could you imagine how mad Todd Graham would be if we all charged the field? Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, but that's those are two games that I'm excited to see because, look, like we said, San Diego State, we are an improved team from last year, and if our offense had been clicking, which was a good San Diego State defense, let's be fair to them, yep. we could have gotten earlier points. That would have helped a lot. Uh, that last two drives were very great for that offense and the only bad drive for the Hawaii's defense. So there is hope, and I think there are pathways of where a bowl season is possible. <laughs> Let's not put a 100% guarantee on it just yet, though. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. I'm Tanner Hayworth. That's Hunter Hughes. We have Sports Center coming up right after this traffic. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu.
Tanner Hayworth alongside Hunter Hughes. This is... That was awesome. That's one of my favorite songs from my childhood growing up. Really? Yeah. So you just saw my face light up with elation. I would request that Saturday. Beg, I would beg for that song as a kid whenever we were wow. driving. The, oh, that's that's cool. That's now cool. I'm happy. Um, <laughs> someone who's probably happy because we'll finally pick up his phone call. Neil, sorry for what's the up, wait. Neil? Uh, how's it going? Hey, what's up, boys? What's up? <laughs> so real quick, real quick one for me today. Uh, hope springs eternal, man. You know, I mean. You know, I know you guys got to be realistic in regards to, uh, you know, where we're supposed to finish and all that. That's you guys' job. But it was to say we cannot go 11 and all. 12 hey, and all my whatever. guy, I love it. You never know what, what could you happen. I mean? like, like hope springs eternal, huh? you know what I mean? But, you know, the other thing about it is, you know, I've seen what they're doing over at TC Ching. And while I'm, you know, holding out hope that by 2028 we're going to have a new brass banking new shiny stadium and all that but nice you know what though at the bottom at the end of the day the fans that are out there and this is my challenge to all of them they gotta be the 12th man they gotta be the guys out there Mm. cheering the team on and being being there you know what i mean yes and look you gotta be present and and if if we can do that with fifteen thousand seats it's gonna be rocking and rolling Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Thanks, Neil. Neil. Thank you very much for holding that long, by the way. I'm yeah, so you're, sorry you're the that. man, Neil. And um, because Josh isn't here, I think I can voice my um, you can be homer little, You can be a little bit more outrageous yes, with your takes. a little bit. Because uh, Josh is trying to help me uh, separate <laughs> from Hunter, the, the former player, uh, the, the former you know student athlete at UH. But when I look at this schedule right now, there's nobody on this team, th- this uh, this schedule that we can't beat. I've been wanting to say this for. There is months. nobody on this schedule. Okay, this is the easiest Mountain West schedule oh we've had in gosh. a very we long don't see time. Boise, no Fresno State. We don't see Fresno, which sucks, but also it helps the schedule. Yeah, so all this we're gonna finish in the dead last in the Mountain West. Wait till we we uncork the run and shoot on these guys and are averaging over 40 a game. We play New Mexico, Nevada, and Colorado State. Come and get some. UNLV for at least the last couple of years. Neil lighting these a fire all, under my butt. I love are, it. They've all found their way to the bottom of the Mountain West. And, hey, Laramie, they're, they're, they're greatest, uh, well, Wyoming, they're, their greatest asset is the cold. Well, if we're playing at noon, hey, and it's low 50s, let's go, baby. That helps us a lot. Yeah, that's actually, now that I think about it. It's very advantageous to us. That makes me feel a lot better about that game versus Wyoming. Because if this is a night game and we're away and it's cold, it's snow, I'm like, I'm not sure about this game at all. But now that you say it, it's a noon. So let, let, let's go to non-conference just for a second, True. okay? I'll give you all the the power five schools, okay? It's going to be tough to beat Vandy at home. Stanford could be one of those. The ball could bounce either way, but let's just say we give that to them. We're beating Albany. Oregon is a sightseeing trip for the boys, okay? So we're one and three through four four games. You can hang out with uh, Kilohana. There we go. We're beating New Mexico, okay? We're two and three at that point. New Mexico State. Okay, sure. Thank you. Because we play them. Okay, yeah. We play both. Okay, we beat New Mexico State. We go to UNLV. Hunter's on that trip, so we're not losing that one. You're, okay? you're standing by. You're, That's right. You are guarding the pineapple. Of course. Um, so we're 3-3 three and three at that point. Um, 
Now all we need are three more wins, Tanner. To backdoor. To backdoor a bowl. To backdoor our way into a bowl, which they want us in the Hawaii Bowl. And it happens every year. It happens every <laughs> year. They want us in that Hawaii Bowl. So between the San Diego State game, New Mexico, San Jose, Nevada, Air Force, Wyoming, or Colorado State, we just need three of those. I mean, when you put it like that. So essentially, it, we don't even have to go 500 at that point. If we take care of business at the, the first half of the season, which I believe that we can, let's just circle New Mexico. There's one. We're, we're going to beat those yeah. guys. Nevada is on the the be- very beginnings of a rebuild right now. There's yes. two. Colorado State, three. Right there. There's our bowl appearance. That's another game that could have that could that we could have won last year if our offense showed up. There we go. And you mentioned earlier um, some of those emotional games at home, whether it be the San, San Diego, Diego State, State or San Jose. And by the way, I'm going to be giving it to anybody that's close <laughs> enough during the San Diego State game saying, you're, you're too good for us going to the Pac-12. Oh, wait, I forgot. Yeah, you guys don't have enough money to go over there. That's when you um, hold your hand up against the ESPN Honolulu album. Yeah. You're just like, oh, honestly, you I, I, I'm letting it fly. <laughs> Uh, it'll be in it'll be in good uh, good spirit, of course. But uh, if we can, we will. <laughs> um, w- w- with kind of on that same spirit, though, well, why why can't we compete? Why, why not? It's college football. It is college football. It's every given and Saturday. W- with everything that is going in UH's favor right now, we have so much momentum um, on our side in the recruiting side of things. We only need one halfway decent season. For guys to want to come home, for more recruits, high-level recruits, like what's going on at Bishop Gorman, for them to come back to Hawaii. like It's only going to take one bowl appearance with this coaching staff for that stuff to start happening. It's going to be awesome. I'll even say, look at the 2024 recruits for in-state recruits. We already have, I believe, two or three top ten recruits in the state of Hawaii. It's awesome. And both are, I think, or uh, no, we have two in uh, Nazea Carvalho and uh, Noah Wiley, yep. both edge rushers. Both are, you know, at least to according to two, uh, 24-7, both are 85 and like I believe 86 or 87, respectfully, mm. which I know for Naziah Carvalho, who we've you know talked about this a lot, he's the highest in-state recruit to stay in Hawaii since like Stephen Lakalaka in 2012. Yep. So this is even a high that we've seen from like Rolovich in his like great couple of years for the University of Hawaii. Uh, there's, like you said, hope springs eternal, and I do want to mention this because I we just saw this before uh, we uh, got on air on Twitter, thanks to uh, Brandon Tamanaha uh, on Twitter. You can go ahead and follow him. He does all, like, he's a social media director for the Warrior All Access, who they have done a really amazing job in really bringing up, I think, Hawaii football the last year that they've been doing a lot of their stuff. Well, he retweeted a photo uh, of Vanderbilt's field currently, the field that we're going to in a little bit over a month. Yep. And... The photo is a stadium has both end zone, you know, both end zone stands. There are no end zone stands. <laughs> One end zone stand is like barely. You can't even say that it's in construction. There's st- it's like barely in construction, and this is like as of like today. And this person tweets like, "We're supposed to be excited about the team we support playing here in five and a half weeks." 
Is there going to be a scoreboard? Replay board? Like, this was just not thought out well. And then popular Twitter person, Big Game Boomer, the Oklahoma guy who makes all of those lists that no one likes, uh, he was going to go to the Vanderbilt-Hawaii game, and he's like, that's what Vandy Stadium looks like right now? I might postpone my trip to uh, Nashville until next season then. So now we're getting people maybe not showing up to this Vanderbilt game, meet a lot of people really unsure about going to this game. And I think about the guys who destroyed us last year. I think of that running back. He's not there anymore. He Mm. transferred. I think of Mike Wright, the scrambling quarterback who we just cannot contain. He's at Mississippi State. We're playing against a pocket passer. So mm. I think about that. And I think about the history of Hawaii, us always struggling. That's right, because he torched against, us last year. Yeah, he, he, he had like 260 yards rushing. Yeah. A quarterback. Different, different ball game if he's not there. And we're playing against a pocket passer. And I know it's the SEC. And I know Vanderbilt's, Throw it you to know, Cam Stone, Stone's side. Cam Stone and Verdell Edwards, who yep. played very well last year. And you also have Peter Monoma. You yep. also have a couple of really good Juco guys like Justin Sinclair. You got the Sauce Williams, the defensive tackle. Kuao Pehopo from Washington, who's a big guy, trying to be like that next Blessman kind of guy for that defensive line. And I'm and just thinking. Blitz Logan Taylor. And I'm just thinking about that. And I'm thinking about the run and shoot offense. And I'm, you know, thinking about it a little bit. I'm not I saying we're too. winning. I'm not I, saying like it's a guaranteed win. It's not 100%. No one has watched film on us yet in this version of the run and shoot. And it's like, but we played run and shoot last year. No, we didn't. No, we did not. Uh, as Timmy said, run and shoot concepts. If you listen to Call the Coach. Yeah. Uh, it was always uh, it was always said, run and shoot concepts. concepts. It wasn't until spring that the QBs started dropping back and getting timing in their feet right. for the run and you shoot. You got Braden Shager practicing with Dan Morrison, not only all the footwork. You think about the sliding that they have to do. I think you explained it, too, yeah. a couple of times. You drift. Yeah. You drift left and right. The other day I was watching the uh, Hawaii-Washington game from 2007. Oh, yeah. A lot of really great, fun moments just watching that game. But you watch that, and you compare to how Colt Brennan was playing to how a normal quarterback would play in like a spread offense or a, just a regular pro-style offense. You really don't notice it until like you're aware of it how much that drift really does like happen oh big time yeah so if Braden Shager and that wide receiver core can be you know locked in which is you know you know asking for a little much for week zero but you know these are guys who he's been thrown to for the last couple of months yep uh it's definitely like giving like hope that I don't think it'll be another like seventy point, like seventy to like ten kind of game. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> that wouldn't be very fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but I think that game can be close. Yeah. I think there's a chance. Mm. And Clark Lee, you know, he does get his extension. He's only been there for two years. He had a two win season and a five win season. Good yep. for him. He's on the rise. That doesn't necessarily mean he is guaranteed to have six wins, five wins, or even four wins. <laughs> And all it takes is a like like against the Vanderbilt game last year. There were so many weird plays that happened to the University of Hawaii where a guy would fumble the ball and would bounce perfectly into a Vanderbilt defender's yep. hands. I yep. think of the was it those two uh swing passes to Diedrich Parson? Yes. And those those are so many just weird plays were happening. All it takes 
is for that just to do a quick little 180. Yep. The balls start to bounce our way. And you're at a week zero upset of Hawaii be- beating an SEC team on the road. Turnover ratio, man. That's all that works. And there's, we got ball hawks. Peter Manoba, when he moved to the regular safety position, he his play on defense improved massively. Logan Taylor, when he got that starting position, he, I mean, that defense improved massively. We were still letting up a lot of rushing yards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just had zero depth on the defensive line. Now you think about the defensive line, we've got depth now. We have a couple of solid starting defensive tackles, a couple of solid guys on the ends, as well as a couple of transfers. I think of the Elijah Robinson kid from ECU. I think of Patrick Hisatake, who's been doing a lot of work this offseason as well. Andrew Troy is a, is a beefy guy, yeah. so you can always kind of stick him in between wherever you want to put him. And I remember when Andrew Troy was put into that starting lineup against San Diego State. Remember when we shut down the running attack of San Diego State? It's it's there. I, the blueprint is there for the University of Hawaii to have a good football season. And I think it's just going to be whether or not that offense works out. Mm. And that's the little bit of worry because you're like, okay, if it works out, perfect. If it doesn't work, you hope it's a little bit of just, you know, guys just having to develop more. And I think that's what you hope for. But – Six wins does sound really nice. Yeah. I think so. And I think we can get there. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth alongside Hunter Hughes. You can call us at 808-296-1420. We got a really fun treat coming up tomorrow. Uh, I was going to say tomorrow. Really big road tomorrow show. on Wednesday. <laughs> it's true. It's both. <laughs> uh, the really big road show. You can come down to Growler, Hawaii. Uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman and I will be down yeah. there. I'll make sure to help them out a little bit. We got a lot of really great guests. We got Charlie Wade. We got Bud Nagamine. We got uh, Chad Owens. And we also have uh, Coach Arnold Martinez, you know, frequent member of the uh, pregame show countdown to kickoff for us on ESPN Honolulu. He has a lot of really great stuff. His son's a walk-on at Clemson football, by yeah, the way. It's awesome. Like we don't talk about that too often. But, yeah, make sure to show up down there at Growler Hawaii tomorrow. That goes from 5 to 7. PM. You can also listen to it here on ESPN Honolulu 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth filling in for Josh Pacheco alongside Hunter Hughes. We got only bangers playing right now, in my opinion. When it comes to these rejoins. Yeah. Um, But we were talking a lot about Hawaii football, our hopes for the season, what we wanted uh, for Hawaii football going on into the year. And when you look at this team, you look at the recruiting and how great the recruiting has been going so far. Mm -hmm. I think, what's it called? We're only on about eight verbal commits right now or seven. I can't remember off the top of my head. But of those, you have six guys from Hawaii and two guys from Bishop Gorman. Yep. I won't even say two guys from the mainland, two guys just from Bishop Gorman. That's right. Um, it's one and the same. And it's really awesome just to see immediately. Like, I've never really remembered or really – I don't know if I've ever had this at the front of my mind. I just don't remember this ever really happening in the last couple of years for Hawaii football where we start off the year and we already got, like, basically eight commits going on. And you saw last year in the early signing period where Timmy Chang, they based, they've what, they signed like 23 kids 
in the early signing period. Yeah. It was like we were Michigan. Because Michigan like does that every single year. Yeah. And especially the caliber of the guys that are committing, you have the you know, you have who is considered to be the fifth best quarterback in the nation, according to Max Preps, uh Michael Alejado, a former Eva Beach native, now coming from Bishop Gorman. That's right. You have the Devon Rice kid who looks fast. Top tier. Uh he, dude looks three star running back. And I know he had a pretty great touchdown against St. Louis last year that I was trying to find through uh, YouTube and all that good stuff. Then, of course, like we mentioned, both of them, Noah Wiley and Isaiah Carvalho, both really solid edge rushers. The linebacker from Bunaho, Aliko Kavako-Amoy, and offensive lineman Josh Tavui. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting someone. Oh, the interior offensive lineman from Bunaho as well, Tui Muti. Yep. I mean, once you get the uh, in-state kids getting really sold on this program. I mean, it feels great. And not only that, we still saw, you know, a lot of people thought last year with Francis Mauinoa, the five-star kid, like the best offensive line in the nation, him having Hawaii there was just going to be kind of like a one-time thing. Uh, Now we've seen just a bunch of four-stars still have Hawaii included. I remember, uh, I think it was last year, it was another Bishop Gorman kid, uh, safety, Cody DeCambra. He uh, committed to Oregon. We were in his top four. You saw this year, it was um, Anelu Lafaele, you know, son of Mike Lafaele. And he had that really funny uh, commit video where he had... uh, Pushing his, pushing his friends into the water. Yeah. who are representing schools. EC and Mike. then the Hawaii guy <laughs> got absolutely demolished into the water. How do you agree to that? You're like, hey, so what we're gonna do? You're gonna, I'm gonna push you guys yeah. just really softly. Yep. You are gonna be. If you're wearing the Hawaii sweatshirt, <laughs> a guy from off camera is gonna die. Not only a guy. It's it's. I think that was Mike Lafaele, wasn't it? Oh my it? gosh, I don't know. You get but... Mike Lafaele with a running start and just. <laughs> Just clobbered the kid into the water, and he uh, there's probably pressure on him to have perfect tackling for him because you know he runs the uh, Ikaika Athletics or he's one of the uh, coaches for that yeah. too. So he does all those uh, workouts for all the linemen too. So he probably has a little pressure to make sure you know not leaving with your head. You have your totally. head to the left and all that stuff. But on on the same uh, topic of things, we're talking recruiting. Totally. We're gonna need to take a break here in just a second, but I was hoping this could kind of carry us over into our final hour. Micah Alejado was listed in the top 10 of quarterbacks for this year right. in all of high school football. Top five. Top five. That's if you look the at the list thing. of where the other guys are, are going to, there's Stanford, there's Georgia, there's Alabama, Alabama there's Florida, Michigan. there's Michigan, and Hawaii is on that list. Do you put any sort of worry or fear into if Micah has a crazy year and one of those huge schools comes calling that his verbal commit might not hold. I don't think so because... I don't either. I hope not. Micah has been a big ambassador for Hawaii football. Huge. He's doing he's so much recruiting online. He's talked about it too. I think Stephen was Stephen side talks with him too out of the Star Advertiser on another person's commitment and he was a comment on a, someone's commit. So he goes out, he DMs all of the guys on Twitter all the time. He comments on people's Twitters all the time. He reaches out to them personally. I'm sure I, mean, I know Devin Rice said that was still another part of him committing to the University of Hawaii was being together with Micah as 
well as his uncle also living here. So yeah. Devon Rice, other than Chris Brown, also has another tie to the to at least the state of Hawaii because he's visited multiple times because his uncle lives here. So I don't feel much worry about him going uh, going away from his commitment. It would probably be the other guys just because, you know, it tends to happen. I think last year we had a guy uh, – uh, commit to San Jose and another guy commits to Colorado State. Mm-hmm. It just happens. And I just, you just, I feel like you have to just live with those L's a couple of times here yeah. and there. But I feel good about locking in Micah Alejado as good as I felt about JKS, John Calves, Uncle Polutele locking in last year. It feels great. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the future of this show, the next hour specifically after Sports Center on ESPN Honolulu. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth in for Josh Pacheco. He has just landed in Las Vegas where he can confirm it's hot. It's like, what, 110 109, degrees? 109, right now? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I am happy that we're inside this air-conditioned studio. Doing just fine Honolulu. over here. Hunter yep. Hughes on the other side. He's always been here. I'm just off the bench here <laughs> on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, that's hey, the name of the show. That, isn't that... It's like so crazy how that works. That was good. Uh, we were talking about Hawaii football and recruiting, and I think we were just kind of discussing that what Hawaii has already done, especially in the last year and a half. Yeah. There's been a step up in, in recruiting. Like, Huge. There have been like solid recruits that Todd Graham and Nick Rolovich and even Norm Chow brought in, but yep. the last year and a half really feels like there's something buzzing. Yes. And like, And I think – I, we were talking about a little bit off uh, off air is what's that next step? Yeah. And maybe it's, you know, locking in one of those four star kids, one of those top tier uh, guys that are coming out of the state of Hawaii. I think the next step we need to see is look, we've done the position groups, uh, the skill positions really well. I think what I need to see from this staff specifically, I think is offensive line mm. because we've had, Really great liberty of having guys like uh, Il Manning, uh, Aliki Tanuvasa, Solu Vipolu, Stephen Bernal Went, Sergio Muasau, um, uh, Maurice Taala. These are all guys that have been here for the last couple of years. You can include Kaena Tecambra, Zancatello as well, who we'll probably be seeing most likely just because our tackle depth is a little bit uh, a little bit sparse here and there. Yeah. For me personally. I want to see an improvement of recruits coming in for that offensive line because I think we've done a really great job in the other positions. Other than the uh, freshmen who I like, the uh, Caleb Jackson Carter, uh, the Josh Atkins and Freddie Pelling coming in from the transfer portals. Mm -hmm. Those are guys that I'm excited to see develop. I just, I don't know if I'm asking for a little too much for a little, like a lot more flashy guys. I think of the Tyson Ruffins kid who was in the Polynesian bowl, uh, Last year, he looked really good, but eventually came down between us and Nevada. He picks Nevada, so I was like, ah. And he well, if felt- you look at positions that all of Polynesia really produces the most of, it's O-line and D-line. So I kind of like the way that you're thinking right there, right. where what I think is going in Hawaii's favor. Right now, you know, Timmy talks about it being an open-door policy. People having the opportunity to come – and play in Hawaii 
um, literally on a year-to-year basis because of transfer portal. That it, it positions us in a very advantageous um, sort of corner, and I, I could foresee that happening with us with really just one halfway distance decent year. Now, you mentioned the the work that they've done recruiting. It's not just here in Hawaii, but really getting creative um, internationally with getting guys from England, yeah. getting guys from New Zealand who don't even play football. <laughs> um, Eddie Osei Nicotia. Yeah. Like, it, it's unbelievable what we've been able to kind of uh, put together kind of like a smorgasbord of what we could do and finding athletes and finding, and, you know, people are wondering, oh, he, he, you know, never played football before. Neither did Scott Harding. Right. And he was phenomenal for us. It can be learned. You telling me you can't teach this guy how to run a go route? You can't he, teach this guy how to catch a football? I, I, I mean, I learned how to catch a football. I mean, obviously not at the level of a D1 college guy, but like you said, dude had like, one he's of the, the fastest fa- times in New, it in New Zealand. It is the fastest time in New Zealand. So he's going to run for them in the Olympics. So it's like it's crazy. What else do you want him to do? All he has to do is, hey, if you're set up after a touchback on a kickoff, you're on the 25 yard line. Just run a regular play, and then oh yeah, also we'll just have Eddie on the outside. Yeah, because he's. And it doesn't even have to be in this year immediately because no. you want him to, you know, beef up a little bit uh, just because, you know, as a football player, you kind of do have to take hits here and there. So yep. you hope he can take those hits. But having a guy, an athlete like Eddie, it's just so exciting to have because that's a guy that you always have to be thinking of yeah. as a defensive coordinator. Big time. Because you – especially in year one, you really don't know what's what his whole thing is. But all you know is that – He's really fast, and there are a lot of guys, a lot of really great track athletes who do really well in football because, hey, guess what? They got this one thing going for them. They're very fast. They're very fast. And having a guy like him, you need to always be thinking about him. Maybe you always have to be making sure that there's a safety out there that's always just thinking about him a little bit, have him drop back a little bit. Oh, and now the post is open. Yeah. Now – with all of the success that we are having right now, what is it going to take for us to be in the upper echelon, not just with recruiting, but wins mm. for the Mountain West? Because for Hawaii to return to the glory days of the 2006, 2007s, the nationally ranked, blah, 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 we have to own the Mountain West first. Right. We got to be up there with the Boises, with the Fresnos. Honestly, with the San Diego States in the uh, the past, you know, decade, what is it going to take for us to get to that level? I think of the one year, at least most recently, that we've had our most success. I think of 2019, and I was watching a couple of games from that season because, look, shout out to all the people on YouTube, by the way, that just upload these games like in, in their entirety. But um, I watch these games, and I, I, I especially see it with the guys like Cole, you know. These aren't necessarily guys that were super highly recruited. Mm. So you think you think of the Cole McDonald's, the JoJo Wards, the Cedric Birds. Like these are guys that are out here and play with just what to call it. I can call it swagger. I, I, I think I can call that that respectfully. And I we need that kind of energy coming out of this team because when Cole McDonald was out on the field, I believed in him. Oh yeah. 
there were times last year where you see a guy, you know, come out on the field, and I just see it, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, I don't really see it from them. Like, with all due respect, Joey Yellen, when he came out for us, I wanted him to succeed because you always want to see a guy succeed. I never really felt it with him, unfortunately. Mm. And I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he does a lot of really great stuff for that quarterback room uh, being uh, Braden Shager's backup. But Braden Shager, I think for right now, with that room, he is our quarterback. Oh, yeah. And he is unquestionably. done. Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Uh, and he's done a lot of he's, – he has wins under his resume. He has that Fresno State win. He, I'm trying to think of other games off the top of my head, but I mostly just think of that Fresno State win because that is a ranked team. That is Jake Hayner, who was the last couple of years yeah. the best quarterback in this conference. I think of that game, how well our defense played. And that's just something that you don't see every single year at a University of Hawaii. I think of last year and how well we played on defense against San Diego State. Mm. I think of how well, and I just think of the energy that comes from just just general success. We need more of that. We need more leadership off, you know, on the field when it comes to guys hyping up each other. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I feel like there were moments where you want someone to, you know, pick someone up. You want some moments where you want to see people, you know, go in on somebody a little bit. Just be like, hey, man, you messed up there. You got to do better. I mean, what's your opinion mostly on that? Because I know I wasn't on the field for most of the season or for all of the season because yeah. I was in the office. But when you look, because I just think of it as if you can find leaders in the locker room and if that's portrayed very well to the mm-hmm. public, then you can get fans behind you. And once you got the fans behind you, like what Neil was saying, you need we need the bozos yeah. to come out and show up for the University of Hawaii. Yep. They uh, they have family being created right now. Yes. The whole brotherhood mantra, it goes beyond just – what you're a part of when you come and play for us, what what the alumni connection is going to make you feel a part of. It's the family nucleus being created in and around that locker room and that coaching staff. It's the recruiting trips. Like we talked with um, Devon Rice, the running back from Bishop Gorman, on his official over here. They brought him to Sandy's, and Timmy was body surfing <laughs> with him in the water. Um, it's the barbecues. It's the feeling like you're a part of something um, intimate and they know you as a person and you are a valued member of what they're trying to create here. Um, in years past, and I'm not trying to throw too much shade, but I, I was on the team during the Chow era and I observed how they recruited guys. And, you know, Chow comes from USC. He comes from Power 5, big um, budgets, big show. Um, the, the way that you recruit Power 5 and the way that you recruit Hawaii, totally different. And in some ways, the kind of home style, no frills, just us being a family, it, it can ring a chord with people. And it's not going to be for everybody. 
But for those that it does ring a chord for, it can be super it powerful. It locks them in. It's crazy. It's. I, it's I, I think that that is our bread and butter, and we have to stick to it. And it's something that you think about for even for a guy. I think it was um a recruit this year that decommitted, uh, Tristan Wymal Galindo. Oh yeah. Just because yep. he started getting you know a lot of other attention from other schools, he could still come back. He could still mm-hmm. commit again. We've had guys who have committed, decommitted, committed, and then decommitted again. Uh, shout out Demata Pecco Jr. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but I. I love that, and I think that's what's always been sold with this era of Hawaii football, with the Timmy Chang era of Hawaii football. It's a lot more than just, you know, the brotherhood. It's a lot more than just, you know, you always hear it from every single uh, football team across the nation, across levels, that, oh, when you're with us, you're a part of the, uh, the brotherhood, you know, that we create as a football team. Yeah. I think you put it in a way... That makes it more Hawaii. It's not just a brotherhood. It's a family Mm. because it's more than just your brothers that play with you on the football field. It's also about, you know, the aunties that head up the ticket office that you see every week. It's about, you know, the people that you see every single week. And it's that's just Hawaii for you. We know mm-hmm. each other. It's it's an it's a small island for the most isolated landmass in the entire world. And as much as that sounds a little scary for a lot of people, the pros that you can find by being a part of this community, by uh, being immersed into the culture, yeah. Once and you see it a lot with some of the best players that have ever came to the University of Hawaii. I mean, Colt Brennan. You immerse yourself into the culture, yep, and we will welcome you with open arms. And you're a part of it forever. This is Off the Bench on ESPN, Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Tanner Hayworth, Hunter Hughes, holding it down in the downtown Honolulu Paxa Studios while Josh is up in Mountain West Media Days up in Las Vegas. We also got a treat coming up for tomorrow. It's going to be a Growlers Hawaii. It is the really big road show. Uh, we got a lot of really amazing guests. We got Charlie Wade. We got uh, soccer coach Bud Nagamine. She couldn't make it last time we did the show, so made sure to bring her back for at least the next one. Love it. We got Chad Owens. You can ask him about how his bodybuilding is going. Dude is a monster. Or training Tumua. <laughs> He's doing a whole lot of really great yeah. stuff up there. And we also um, also got uh, Coach Arnold Martinez. Going to ask him a whole lot, a bunch of other stuff. Probably going to ask him about his son and his experience going to Clemson to play football with Dabo Sweeney. Apparently they're close friends. Oh, guaranteed at this point. <laughs> uh, that is going to be a Growler Hawaii uh, for the really big road show. Uh, that's going to be from 5 to 7 p.m. Go down there or catch it here on ESPN Honolulu. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. 92.7 FM, 1420 AM. Tanner Hayworth in for Josh Pacheco alongside Hunter Hughes. He's been here. He's always here. I'm here. Always reliable. We're just doing a lot of talking, a whole lot of watching. Um, I think there, <laughs> there's a whole lot to talk about for the MLB. And you could always talk about the stars of the game when it comes to, obviously, Shohei Otani. Dude is a monster. I think right now they're actually up on the Yankees. Five to one was the last time I saw it. So that's 
awesome news for me. Uh, <laughs> um, and we can talk about this really awesome doubleheader that's going on right now between the Giants and the Reds where there's a lot of back and forth, at least in the second half of this doubleheader going on right now. But honestly, the star of the show for the Reds the last couple of days has been their tarp. Oh, yeah. Taking the, out their grounds crew. Like, that's got to be one of the we're gonna scarier need, speaking moments. Speaking of which, we're going to need a tarp out here in the next <laughs> couple of days. Oh, man. But, like, can you just imagine? It's pouring rain, and you got to be one of those uh, guys on the field. You're running, running through. What is that moment got to be when you're in the middle of the fall and you're like, are you a little like, obviously, the first thing that would hit you is probably embarrassment. But is the next part of you is like, wait a second, I'm about to be Twitter famous. Yeah. And is there like a pro of that? Because now you got an amazing story to tell at family dinners for years to come. Totally. And to their credit, if you've ever ran on a tarp before or, I don't know, tried to run on a slip and slide, if you will, that's basically what (laughs) you're asking these guys to do. Um, you roll the tarp out and it's folded. And so you grab it from the folded end and have to run over the, the, the folded side of the tarp and the, the, the surface is uneven. It's windy. It's rainy. It's wet. You're going to fall and everyone's going to, going to love, going to love it for it. I mean, we were just talking with with Darren Camero, you know, host of the uh, Sports Cars Collectible Show, coming on in about 30 minutes. And we were just bringing up, you know, Tart Monster always stays undefeated. Um, but right now what's going on for those Reds going on is at the top of the seventh, we were just watching it, or the seventh inning, the Giants were up 11-8, to eight, but it's looking like it's still going, you know, shot for shot right now. Jeez. The Giants are up one. 11, 11 to 10. 10 against the Rays at the was at the bottom of the seventh or the top of the game. So, so and we if you heard it from Sports Center only about 20 minutes ago, this is the first day since like 1990 where three teams have lost while scoring 10 or more runs. Dang. So now with that Giants and Reds game going to 11 to 10, it's going to be four. How far back would that go? And I think that's something to look at, especially when we come to our break, because we are coming up pretty close on that break uh, for our traffic and all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, it feels like we're watching a bunch of very good defensive games for the NFL when you look at a lot of these scores. Um, And with the MLB right now, the main focus, despite all this really interesting stuff happening, is obviously Shohei Otani. And it isn't because the Angels are winning any games. Uh, It's mostly just whether or not Shohei Otani leaves the L.A. Angels or whether or not he gets traded by the L.A. Angels. And that's kind of like a mentality game that you have to have when you are the manager of the L.A. Angels is do you want – to have that chance of just losing a generational talent like Shohei Otani, just losing him for nothing? Or do you take that risk uh, of him just never really coming back by trading him for a bunch of just uh, younger guys, maybe a star here or there? I mean, if you're in that situation, it's something to it's something really hard to just get uh, wrap your mind around. 
totally. Uh, he's a generational talent, something that we may never see again. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm really curious. Yeah, uh, this is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. We do have Sports Center uh, coming up uh, right after this, so you can go ahead and call us or text us. By the way, on 808 296 1420, Tanner Hayworth and uh, Hunter Hughes. This is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. We never knew how to forfeit, but we always knew how to talk. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM, 1420 AM. Tanner Hayworth coming off the bench for Josh Pacheco. Uh, Hunter Hughes also alongside the ride. There's a lot of really fun things going on, I think, for the NFL. Uh, We could not focus on the running back thing. We did a lot of talking about that in the first hour. Of course, you can always listen back to that on our Spotify. If you look up on ESPNHonolulu.com as well, we have recordings of the shows that get uploaded, you know, about an hour, hour or two after the show Mm -hmm. is concluded. But another thing going on for the NFL have been a lot of teams because of the uh, NFL alleviating some rules on their helmets – Coming out with throwback jerseys. Yes. And the two most recent ones, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers officially uh, putting out all of their photos and their photo ops of the creamsicles making their return. You got the Minnesota Vikings also coming out with their uh, older throwback jerseys. It's a very simple Vikings jerseys. It's a really nice shade of purple. We were talking about it a little bit off air. It's a very nice color. Yep. And – this is kind of inspiring. Maybe a quick little top five. This is kind of my little top five okay. of some of my favorite. I'm good, sticking with NFL. NFL throwback jerseys of all time, according to Tanner Hayworth, uh, the foremost <laughs> uh, uh, the foremost credible source on all this kind That's, of stuff. Wow, foremost. Foremost. Not five, not Self-imposed. three. Self-imposed. Not three, not five, four, most. <laughs> If I have to go with my number five, it's going to be a jersey that I've seen only up until recently. Uh, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. Their okay. 60s a good one. Uh, throwbacks they brought back last year as well. I just love just kind of like how sleek it is. I love that red helmet. That yeah. red helmet and that particular shade of red just to me just is like, wow. Oh, so so great, I mm. think. If you want to see photo of it. There it is. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my number four. Shades of uh, work done coming yes. to mind. Uh, unfortunately, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer right there, mm-hmm. too. Uh, number four. Uh, this was, I believe, debuted last year. The 49ers have been wearing them a lot more often. It's those 90s jerseys with the yes. – it's, it's really simple. You don't really notice the it. The black shadow on them. The black on the shadow on that 49ers jersey. It's so nasty. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's subtle. They're on my list, too. It's so good because, like, the normal 49ers jerseys, they look fine. There's nothing wrong about them. Yep. But just adding just that layer of that shadowing on those numbers, it's it's perfect to me. Number three, I got to go with the Eagles, Kelly Green. Yep. It's – what can you say about them? They are going to be released uh, later this year. Um, number two, uh, this is part of my petition – Make these the regular jerseys for the Miami Dolphins. Dude, you're taking all of my nut, Look, my, it's, my it's, picks. It, they're all great jerseys. I own a uh, Tua Tonga Vailoa throwback jersey. Yeah. It is 
it is beautiful. Whenever I see it, in my some of the best color closet. combination in all of pro sports. And the thing is, it's not even like an exact copy of those jerseys. It's just like a modern throwback, and it is. It's just that color. It's beautiful. It's not that like super bright blue no. that the Miami Dolphins normally wear. Um, but yeah, if you know me, I'm a Tampa Bay guy. Yep. The creamsicles are the best throwback jerseys, in my opinion. Yeah. They are. I I love them. I love the Spanish Buccaneer, just of the just the real like guy that's there. Yep. And I am a. I'm a guy that loves irony, I think. And it's just that this jersey is not that good of a jersey. Mm. But I think when I look at it, I'm a fan of Tampa Bay, obviously. There is just something It's to certainly it. the most unique. It's unique. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and I think for a sport like football, it, that is entertainment. I want ridiculous. You I don't can see want, it from the moon. I don't want those sleek, modern Miami Dolphins jerseys. I don't want those like kind of darker hues of those Philadelphia Eagles jerseys. I want that bright Kelly green. I want that teal that of that orange. I want that prominently like how they do on those throwbacks from Miami. And I want those ridiculous looking. You'd only see them in a cartoon. Creamsicle. Tampa Bay Buccaneers jerseys. I got to order one. I just got to figure out who I want on it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, first time I ever saw that was when Warren Sapp was still on their team and rocking the, the 99. See, the he was fir- scary. The first time I saw that jersey, because I was a particularly young football enjoyer, mm-hmm. was kind of around the 2010s. My first time I saw those cream school jerseys was when Josh Freeman, as a rookie, Beat the Green Bay Packers mm. with those creamsicle jerseys. Nice. And I I just think of those jerseys, and I just think of good times. I'd like an, uh, an audible mention be put on there. The Bears Away retro jersey. Mm. Um, so it's white with— Is it the one that they wore this year? With six stripes yes. on their shoulders. I love those jerseys. And their helmet, like the Bears logo has been removed, and it honestly looks like University of Michigan's. Um, jersey or helmet with the three stripes going right down the middle. Right, it's nasty. It's it's a great jersey. It's a really good. I love it. The the complementary colors of navy blue with with bright orange really do help pop the the whole thing. Right, and contrasting it with the white and kind of almost a Penn State <laughs> um, contrast of the blue numbers right there is is super well done. Now in in the same vein of things, Tanner. Let's go worse. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to throw out a worse and then you throw one right back. Got okay. It. The Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Where they try to do the leather helmet thing. Horrible. It's not great. It is horrible. With the Is it the one with the yellow number? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. Because I think of it, I think it was in the 2010s they wore it. And it's the navy jersey with the yellow number. Or am I thinking of a different throwback? Oh, or is it man, the most recent one? Bad. Is it the most recent one where there's the full yellow helmet? Yes. That was bad. Yes. So there's there's this one that honestly the jersey part isn't that different. It's just green with a bright yellow stripe on the it side. It looks like a color rush jersey. Yes. Now <laughs> this one where they go they completely get rid of the green and they go with a navy. Yes. I know. With the yellow and then the like Ugh. 
1912 pants that are like a light tan. Intermediate Punahou football has better oh my jerseys goodness. than that. It's brutal. <laughs> uh, so I got a worse one for you right now. Okay. And it's got to be the blue. I think it's the Eagles that have the, the bright yellow, bright blue jerseys. Mm. Because look, love the Eagles. Love those Kelly greens. Yep. What? Baby blue? Yeah. Bright yellow? You aren't you aren't the Boston Red Sox City Connect jerseys. What is happening? I, are, are those as bad as the Bumblebee jersey from the well, Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, we have to Steelers? bring up the Bumblebee. Well, the Bumblebee or the uh, Prisoner jersey. Oh my god! It's gosh. whichever one you want. It's like which is funny because the uh, the Steelers have good throwbacks. Yeah, they wore them I think last year with those block numbers. Yep. If the Steelers want to make their jerseys the best in the game, get rid of like those modern numbers they do that are like kind of round and replace them with those big blocky Block numbers. numbers. Yeah. It would just it's I love those jerseys so much. Yeah, and, and they're they, classic. It's, it's, it's just a simple it's fix. It's tough to get more classic than the Steelers. They're one of the original teams. Right. And they're they're the winningest team of all time. Right. So I mean that they're up there. I'm gonna jump back to the good side of the conversation, one that we forgot. So we could be a little bit happy. The Seahawks. So those so those Seahawks jerseys, those are gonna be, I think, debuted tomorrow. Sweet. It's either tomorrow or next week. I oh, can't remember. Man. It's definitely on a Wednesday because I think um uh, Quandre Diggs was hyping it up, but those uh, it was those early Seahawks jerseys, nineties style. Was it a Bo? That not Bo. What's his name? Um, um, the Boz. Yeah, Boz. Bosworth. <laughs> um, now you know that I'm a graphic designer, illustrator. Whenever I'm not in here, yes, I'm a fan. Whenever you can incorporate illustrations as a part of a brand, if it fits, incorporating that Seahawk on the shoulder yes. where it doesn't take over the jersey. It just fits in there nicely. I'm a fan of that kind of branding. It's beautiful. That jersey, I think I just love it. I love those silver helmets. Yeah, the silver, silver helmets, helmets sweet. And that, uh, the, it's that kind of brighter blue and the kind of like not really – it's what they think that neon green is Yeah, it's, it's for a, the Seattle it's, Seahawks. It's a more royal version of royal blue. Yeah. So it's when you think of green and Seahawks, you obviously think of those like disgusting, like bright neon green jerseys. It's yep. not like a green like that. That's that's an used as an accent, but it's it's an awesome jersey. I'm really excited to see that jersey on the field. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I'm trying to think of like even other goods, other bads. I think of. Uh, man, I, I'm really stuck on the Packers with how bad those jerseys are. Those are brutal. Um, I think of, so what the Saints did a couple of years ago was incorporating those throwback jerseys into their regular away jersey where they have the gold numbers. I love that. Where I think it's what NFL what the NFL needs to do. There's a lot of stuff they need to do to make these jerseys look really good. I think something that needs to be done in the NFL fashion-wise, and I, I know this is kind of branching off the throwback. Yeah. I think you got to get rid of the same color jersey, same color pants look. Yeah. You got to you got to go totally different. I it it they want and I know what they're trying to pull off that like whole like what's it called the the not leotard what's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But it's just like I don't like that. I like the two different color pants and jersey, like even like. 
Could the you one, imagine the onesie? Could you? Yeah, the onesie. Could you imagine yeah. the creamsicle where they're wearing also yeah. orange pants? Like that's too much. What do you think of the retro Patriots? The red one. The red. They're funny because it's kind of like not what the Patriots are historically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that Whenever I think of those Patriots jerseys, I think of, well, weren't the Redcoats the English? Ooh. <laughs> the so British really, are coming. The British are coming. They're not really patriotic when you think about it historically. Send out Paul Revere. <laughs> One if by land, two if by sea. I think something that's popular. With- These are much better. The 90s with the, the oversized <laughs> logo on the shoulders. I I think that was just a product of the 90s where it was just the oversized logos on all the it. jerseys. I love it. I think I love those kind of jerseys. I think of the uh, the Detroit Pistons jersey, the teal ones with the big horse mm-hmm. and the engine. Yep. The, I'm I'm a sucker. Like I said, like where the creamsicle jerseys. I love cartoonishly foolish looking jerseys. Yeah. Because it's just like you would never real you would never wear that in real life. Never. And so when you do see it in real life, you're like, no way. You're actually wearing that? <laughs> I think of a jersey that a lot of Hawaii football fans can get behind, too, are those silver-numbered Raiders jerseys. Yes. Because, you know, it's very much those those silver jerseys that we have for University for Hawaii. of Hawaii. So when the Raiders busted that out a couple of years ago, and it's just like – it's like we said, it's the simplest things. It is just changing the color of a number. It is just changing the shape of a number just a little bit. It just makes a jersey go from a zero to 100. How about the baby blue chargers? Baby blue chargers are awesome, mostly because we were forced to watch the navy blue chargers for so long. And I think with time comes a lot of nostalgia, and that nostalgia definitely helps, uh, like, like how I love the creamsicles and all yep. that good stuff. Um there's a lot of minor things that a lot of football teams can do with their jerseys. The they, retro Rams jerseys sick too. The retro Giants jerseys look good too. Yes, good call with the the huge number and the Giants spelled yes. out on the helmets. That's what I think of a lot. And look, it's I, I just I love jerseys, man, and I hate that they cost like hundred eighty dollars. I know. <laughs> And that's that before old- shipping, and that's before, like, uh, size differences and all that here. We'll uh, definitely talk a little bit more on this. We'll have our final thoughts of the show before we head out for a Sports Cards and Collectibles show. Uh, we'll head out to traffic here. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> The bench on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth and Hunter Hughes. Hopefully you got home safe. Uh, shout out, or more, not really shout out, but you know, all the good stuff being sent over to uh, the Big Island right now. Kind of hours away from Calvin coming down on them. Make sure everyone stays safe out there. And then pr- they're what are they estimating by tomorrow? All that stuff kind of reaches here. So everyone, make sure you're safe. Make sure you stay dry. Tie down. Anything that can fly away. Yeah. Probably tonight. Do it before so that you're not doing it during. It's a very hard process if you're yep. stuck in some wind and you got an umbrella trying to fly away. Yeah. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for anyone. It doesn't. Um, we were talking a lot about jerseys and <laughs> we were just like kind of going back and forth with some more terrible jerseys. Because retro jerseys have been coming out. Yeah. And the retro jerseys, the throwbacks just look so nice. And when you have an NFL team, 
Hawaii needs some retros, we by the way. Some, yeah, we do. We do need those retros. Badly. Those Under Armour ones. With those the, were uh, awesome. UH, those were awesome. I think we got to bring some retros of the 2000s back. Oh, yeah. Opinion. No, honestly, before we go to the neon green with the rainbow on the shoulder, I would love if we did um, like a silver, like like the Colt <laughs> Brennan with the uh, um, the tapa. Yes. Um, just above the knee, the wraparound down there, those were nasty. Those were awesome. I think, I mean, I think just any of the jerseys from the 2000s were nice. I got to be real. I loved, like, the McMackin era jerseys. Oh, yeah. I love those jerseys. I also was fond of the vests. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, like, the 2010s, the Norm Chow era. Mm. It's it's kind of like a guilty pleasure for me because I know a lot of people weren't super high on those. Sure, but I you know playing uh, uh, as Hawaii on NCAA football those fo- those uh, video games, I saw those the most, yep. and so those were the jerseys that I would kind of associate with the University of Hawaii. So maybe in like different shoulder pad color than the chest. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And look, there are some bad jerseys in. The University of Hawaii's time, not even just football. Yeah, uh, I know basketball fans can relate to the terrible lime green jerseys. Mm. I think it was the '90s, but unfortunately, we were like winning games while wearing those jerseys. So I think I can't remember who the coach was at the time. Maybe it was a they, strategic advantage. Yeah, so that they didn't have to look at you. Yeah, they didn't want to look at us. And like, by the way, the University of Hawaii has done good throwbacks. I mean, for the basketball team last year, you did have those rainbow jerseys. I did buy myself one of those. Nice. So it was, it's a very nice jersey. It actually fits me because tank tops usually aren't very good for a guy like me. Mm. Uh, usually only wear it at the house because why would I do that to the public? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but – we're kind of coming down to the final part of the show. We do have the Sports Cards Collectibles show coming up right afterwards. That's in about six minutes. So let's get down to final thoughts here. Look, Mount West Media Days, they're starting tomorrow. Yeah. But for the next maybe two years, San Diego State will be a member of the Mount West Football Conference. Or Mount West Conference, sorry. Yeah. And – I think for everyone, for the Mountain West, for all of the members, for San Diego State, I think that is a good thing. It is a good thing. And I'm excited because we get to keep our little like uh, forced rivalry going on. That's right. There's that schedule thing going on. But I'm excited to see the next couple of years. And it's going to be a little sad to see what happens to the Pac-12 because – I don't know what's happening to them. Yeah. They don't know what's happening to them at this point. Yeah. And at it's gonna come to put uh it's gonna come to push to shove and it's gonna come down to an Oregon or a Washington making that decision to, to go leave. to the Big Ten or something like that. And that's gonna be a sad day in football. Mm. And that to me, it's gonna be a guarantee that one of those teams will leave in the next couple of years. Wow. That's what and I And then like. with it, the Pac-12. Yes. Mm. That that will be... It's a very positive final thought. That will be <laughs> probably the the biggest uh, conference shift of our lifetime when that does happen. Yeah. Because it wouldn't uh, be the 16-team whack. Well, when we were young, right? That was the Reggie Bush, yeah. Matt Leinart, USC era. They, they were unbelievable. Um, my final thought is actually on Lionel Messi. Um, him coming over to Inter Miami in the twilight of his career is 
way bigger than David Beckham coming over and playing for LA Galaxy. It is way bigger than Michael Jordan going and playing for the Wizards. Um, I'm trying to think of another, you know, it's it's way bigger than Tiger playing in majors. You know, he's still playing in majors. Right. Him coming over and playing in Inter-Miami as widely considered one of the best of all time to ever play soccer, football, <laughs> um, let's let call it what it is, it's incredible. He's him. He himself has helped sell out the entire season for that team. Um, and I, I think it's worth mentioning before we end the show. Yeah, definitely going to make sure I catch some Lionel Messi because I don't think I've ever caught him live. I'm not really sure what time either. those guys ever play. But, yeah, it's been an awesome time. Uh, Tanner Hayworth is probably going to be gone for a little bit because Josh Pacheco will be returning tomorrow uh, coming from Vegas. It was fun, though. Yeah, off the bench on ESPN, Honolulu.